All right, good morning, everybody. It's good to be with you from Jonesboro, Arkansas. Um, we're going to be in Matthew 19. I hope you have a Bible or an electronic device with the Word on it. We're going to be there for just a... Well, well, we'll be in and out of it all this whole time together. Matthew 19, starting at verse 16. This is a, this is a pretty famous, well-known story. Uh, we, may, we may take it just a, a slightly different direction with it, maybe, though, than you normally, uh, than you normally think of uh, related to this story. So it starts in uh, verse 16. It says, uh, Just then a man came up to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Why do you ask me uh, about what is good? Jesus replied, there's only one who is good. If you want to enter life, keep the commandments. Which ones? He inquired. Jesus replied, you shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother. Love your neighbor as yourself. All these I have kept, the young man said. What do I still lack? Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect. Go sell your possessions and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. So, Jesus' teaching, this man walks up to him. We usually refer to him as the rich young ruler. And he comes up to Jesus and he says, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, well, you need to keep the commandments. And the, and the guy says, well, I've, I've done that. In fact, I've been doing that my whole life. Um, he says, you know, Jesus says, honor your father and mother. You know, don't murder. Uh, he rattles off this list of things and this man says, yeah, 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 I've done all that. What else? What else do I need to do for eternal life? This guy's a go-getter, right? He's a, he's a, he's a, he's a, you know, he's, he's, he's a, he's an achiever. He's like, tell me, just tell me what to do and I'll do it. And what you sense here is that Jesus is almost like a physician who's examining you, you know, and he's like, okay, does it hurt here? Does it hurt, you know, here, here? Oop, right there it is. And what did he find? He says, right there's your problem, right? And the problem was, you know, wealth, possessions, money, which, which represented basically an alternate God. It's like, you can't come follow me until you get rid of this God that you're, that you're following right now, that you're basically worshiping and giving your whole life to you right now. You can't come follow me until you get rid of this other God. It says, if you want to be perfect, if you want to come follow me, then sell everything, give it away to the poor, and then come follow me, and then you'll have treasure in heaven. Remember the original question, how do I have eternal life? There's how you do it. Go sell everything, give it away, and come follow me. Now, this is a good guy, isn't he? He's a good guy. He's a really good man. In fact, he's so good, you know, he not only kept all the commandments, but he's, he's so good that he's, he realizes that he's not good enough, all right? He doesn't, he knows he's not perfect. And so he says, tell me what else to do. But Jesus loves him too much to not tell him the truth, right? Because he's got a cancer in there. And Jesus says, we've got to cut this out. We've got to get rid of this. 
And so Jesus deals with them on this, and the guy respond, responds, how? He's, he's dejected. He's sad. He, he walks away sorrowful. But the story says because he had a lot of money, he had a lot of wealth. You know, most people come to Jesus broken and leave whole. This guy comes seemingly whole and leaves broken. Now, I want, to put, I want to press pause on this story, okay? We're going to come back to it. I want to press pause on this story, though. And I want to ask you a question. We're not abandoning the story, okay? We're not going off in a crazy different direction. We'll be back to it. I want to ask you this question. What is the American dream? Now, I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about politics or nationalism or anything. I'm talking about when you hear the phrase, the American dream, what does that mean? Being rich. Being rich? Okay. Freedom. Freedom. Whoa. Do you have an answer? Yeah, the white picket fence, the the two point two kids, the two car garage. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> three point two kids, whatever it is. Um, yeah. What else? What's the American dream? To attain anything you want, okay? Yeah, you can do anything. You can achieve anything. Now, let me ask you this question. This is not a trick question, okay? This is not, this is not, uh, this is an honest question that I think we should wrestle with. Whoa. Should the American dream be a goal for disciples of Jesus? And maybe that depends on how you answer that. Okay, good standing in the way of great. So if you're, you said if your goals are not in line with what God is calling you to do, then we have a problem. Okay? So, so, you, so are you saying that the American dream could be in line with what God's wanting you to do, or maybe it isn't? It could be, but if that is our focus, then I mean, we might as well scrap it. Not. Okay, if that's our only focus, if that's our sole focus, then we should, as you said, scrap it. Okay, good. Say that one more time. I said that I think it's all based off perspective, perspective, and I'm, the, the, the mic weird. Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. But yeah, like if we just focus solely on what Christ wanted, there's no other thing to look at because it's like outside of that, there's nothing that's less than perfection. Okay, that's a great answer. So almost like the American dream, quote unquote, is irrelevant if you're just looking at Jesus. Okay, good. What else? Okay, so so you're saying it's not it's not a problem to seek success or or even wealth, um, but what's the rest of your answer? Okay, it becomes a problem when that's all you want. Okay, or you want it just for you. Okay, all right, good. 
What about the, what about the, the veterans back here? <laughs> Thoughts on that? Anybody can make it. Yeah. They really are. Yeah. I mean, when you, when you get down to the nitty gritty, they are. So, and that's, that's the hard part about saying yes to Jesus. You're having to say no to anything else that is your God. Saying yes to Jesus is saying no to anything else that is your God. Okay. I'm repeating everybody for the recording. Um, Yeah, what's the difference between how we plan to prosper ourselves versus how God plans to prosper us? And that might, maybe it looks the same, maybe it looks radically different. Yes, ma'am. Right, yeah. So you're so when you come to Jesus, your what your what I hear from you is that your your perspective and your your goals and your desires shift and change, and and so it has to be the desires of the kingdom, not necessarily the two car garage and all of that stuff. Yeah. Yes, ma'am. Right, and lots of, you know, lots of examples of that in scripture and in history um, where God is blessing people in, in, in the way that we might call the American dream, but the, but the key is what, what, what's your primary heart's desire? Yeah. Yes, ma'am. Very good. Thank you. Yes, ma'am. I, I would also add, though, Jesus said he had no place to lay his head. So, right. And that's the thing, too. I, I think sometimes 
like what we think is what he wants we we should get might not be it at all. He didn't even have a place to lay his head. So that might be even true for us in this earth and that's just the way it is. Absolutely. Yes, sir. I got a question. Um, so hearing off of what everyone said, if we have full faith in Jesus Christ, wouldn't the American dream be achieved? Like Well, I think what I think what I'm hearing from everybody is that that depends. It depends on what? It depends on it depends on what God's goals are for you. So let me let me move to the next question and ask you this. What would he ask you to sell, give up, or walk away from? What would he ask you to sell, give up, or walk away from? Now, call students are notorious for being poor, right? <laughs> so you don't have, you know, most of you don't have, quote, great wealth. Um, although, you're probably a lot wealthier than most people around the world, even as a college student. Um, just as a side note, if you have a cell phone and a car, you're in the top 10% in the entire world. Did you know that? If you, have, if you own a cell phone and a car, you're in the top 10% of people in the entire world in terms of wealth. So you're a lot wealthier than you think. But based on the standards of our society, college students tend to be poor. So maybe, maybe Jesus is not going to ask you to give up your wealth because you don't have a lot of you know, great wealth or you don't trust primarily in your wealth. But the question for you is, what would he ask you to sell, give up, or walk away from? So you tell me, what would be, for, for kind of a, a typical college student, what would be you know, the, maybe the top five or six things that students, that Jesus would call students to walk away from? Or give up or sell? The freedom of how you spend your time. You know, uh, are you going to be in extracurricular activities? Are you going to be hanging out with friends? Or are you going to be at church on Sunday morning? Or are you going to be in the Word and study groups? Yeah, so, so giving up how you spend your time. Yeah, absolutely. What else? You can either speak for you or just for college students in general. When you say family, what do you what do you mean? Yeah. So when you, in other words, come into Jesus, you had to separate yourself from certain family. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Good. What else? Yeah, absolutely. So the things that you like to do that you're comfortable with. Uh, job Say again. Job opportunities. job opportunities. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Materialistic things. Yeah. Your, fr your yeah friendships. Some some may need to go. Yeah. Going to the perfect school, so that perfect school is gonna. And and that see that's actually what I wanted to one of the things I wanted to to get us to think about, because what you just said is 
I think is a major issue for so many college students. So what if, what if Jesus came to you and asked you to sell, give up, or walk away from your dream? That life that you have planned in your head. All of that stuff that you have all mapped out. I'm going to do this, and then I'm going to do this, and then this will happen, and this will happen, and this will happen, and then I've got it all together. Now, some of you are like me. When I was a college student, I had no clue what I wanted to do, what my life was going to look like, and some of you may be there. And, and, and then some of you have known from the time you were in fourth grade, this is what I'm going to do, this is how I'm going to get there. I wonder if for a lot of college students, if they encounter Jesus like this, like this rich young man did, I wonder if for a lot of college students what Jesus would ask you to give up, sell, or walk away from would be the plan that you have for your life. So for those of you who are like me, who have no clue what you want to do, have no clue what your future looks like, the question is, have you sought God's will? Have you asked God what he wants you to do with your life? And for those of you who have known since fourth grade exactly what you wanted to do and got it all mapped out, same question. Have you actually stopped and asked God what he wants you to do with your life? Wow. That can be tough. I want to introduce you to my friends, Oki and Inyoung, and this is Cole. Okay, Cole, up until very recently, was our international campus minister in the campus ministry that I led at Arkansas State. Oki is Japanese, Inyoung is uh, Korean. This is a picture from her baptism. Oki, when we first met him through our campus ministry, literally said, I'm the king of atheists. <laughs> um, he, he, he basically mocked faith, not really openly, but he, he, just, thought it was, he just thought it was silly, frankly. Uh, Cole here and I and others worked with him uh, over the course of several months and eventually led him to faith. Uh, he is now a very strong, capable believer in Jesus. He was dating in young, and, uh, and, he, and after he came to faith, he said, well, I, I know I can't marry someone who isn't a believer. Like, that's not, I know that's not what God wants me to do. And so he began to study with her and share with her, and he eventually led her to faith. And this, again, this is a picture of her baptism. So they, um, a couple months later, they got married, finished college at Arkansas State, and his degree is in computer science. And so he said... I mean, I could basically go anywhere and get a job. Well, about four years ago, we had uh, our campus ministry sent a plant team to the University of Washington in Seattle, uh, probably the most unchurched city in the country, one of the most unchurched campuses in the country. Uh, it's a place where people, many people radically hate Christians. Okay? Oki said... I could get a job anywhere. Why would I not go to Seattle? 
Why? So, I, you know, because he, he can get a job in computer science, but why is he going to Seattle? Specifically, because of, the, of our campus ministry plant team that's up there. And he said, why would I not do that? Right? So, I mean, I could get a job anywhere, but why not go strategically? Why not go on mission? Why not go with forethought? If I can get a job anywhere, why would I not go somewhere that has kingdom priorities attached to it? Right? And so that's what they did. And so they moved to Seattle. He got a job in computer science, and they began working with the campus ministry there. And not only that, he is he's now saving money to buy Bibles to ship back to his family in Japan for them to distribute to people in their, in their city. And he plans to go uh, take vacation time to go back to his home city in Japan and be an evangelist. So, again, he could have gotten a computer science job anywhere, right? But he went on mission. He did it with intentionality. Right? What do you think about that? Yeah, that's what it means to follow Jesus. And I will make you. That's right. He was transformed. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. So, what keeps us from doing this? What keeps us from going, or giving our future completely to God? Again, some of you have a future that is neatly mapped out. And if I said, God wants you to do something different, you would just stare at me blankly like, there is no way. Right? I've, ta I've talked to college students about this topic multiple times through the years. And a lot, a lot of students literally will just look back at me like with glazed over eyes, like I have no idea what you're even talking about. I would, that, that's not even any kind of consideration. No, I already have my life laid out, right? I'm going to graduate from college. I'm going to meet the perfect guy. I'm going to get the perfect job. I'm going to have the 2.2 kids. I'm going to have this kind of car. I'm going to live in this kind of neighborhood. And then I'm going to, you know, keep doing that on repeat for a few years, and then I'll die, right? And so many college students look at that, and, and, and they, don't even, they don't even consider, like, I can't even consider that. No, I got my life mapped out. You know, a lot of times we, church folks, we talk, we, we talk about calling, you know, I feel, well, I feel called to that. <laughs> it's amazing so often how, you know, how frequently I hear students being called to, you know, <laughs> what they already wanted to do. Hello. You know? I mean, is it, is it possible, or, or maybe are there any examples in Scripture of God sending somebody on mission, on a mission that they didn't want to go on? Is, is, is the Bible full of stories like that? Of people who got sent by God on a mission? on a mission they did not want to go on? You remember the story of Moses? He's arguing with God at the burning bush. And he, and he just makes all these excuses. 
And, and then he finally says at the end, he's like, I just don't want to go. <laughs> and God says, shut up, you're going. Like, just shut up, you're going. It's like, we can do this the easy way, or we can do it the hard way. So I guess what I'm trying to say is, among other things, just because you don't want to do it doesn't mean it's not what God wants you to do. You ever thought about that? Is that true? Yeah. Just because you don't want to do it doesn't mean it's not what you're supposed to do. We often use this, this, um, you know, this language of, I, I don't feel called to that as an excuse to not do what we don't want to do. You ever been there? I've been there. I've done that, certainly. I bet we all have at one time or another. Right? So, what keeps us from giving our future completely to God? Because again, I would submit with college students, so often your future is your God. Your plans, your neatly laid out, structured plan for your life, often becomes like a God to you. So what keeps you from giving that to the one who actually is God? Well, disrupt your plans. We've been talking about that one, okay? So we'll, we'll keep moving. Never considered that your life belongs fully to God. You've never considered that. You've never considered that your life actually belongs to God completely and totally. You know, the old saying is, if he isn't Lord over all, he isn't Lord at all. If he isn't Lord of everything, he isn't your Lord at all. And that includes your vocation. That includes what your career, what you do for a living, where you live. All those sorts of things. Next one is family pressure. I tell you what, I've had a lot of students through the years who were following the plan that their parents had laid out for them. Anybody been there? And I'm living out mom's dream. I'm living out dad's dream. And I don't know how to not do that. And I don't have the willpower, I don't have the strength to tell them I'm not going to do this plan that they want me to follow. I mean, what would Jesus say about that? Was Jesus following the plan that his mom and his siblings wanted him to follow? You remember that story where they all came and tried to haul him home because they thought he had gone crazy? Like, you're embarrassing us, son. Like, come on, let's go home. Let us take you home. And what did he say? He said, yeah, he says, my, my true family are the ones that do the will of the Father. I bet that stung his mother. I bet that stung his siblings. But he says, I, I have to do the will of the Father, not what my mother wants me to do. Now, hopefully, what your parents want you to do and what God wants you to do are in line. Sometimes they are. But if they're not, the question is, what are you going to do about that? Another one is lack of discernment about God's will for your life. <laughs> you know, we've talked about that a lot, too. In other words, either God's very clearly telling you what he wants you to do, and you don't want to do that, so you're ignoring it, or maybe you just, you've just never asked. 
Like it's never even crossed your mind to ask God what he actually wants you to do with your life. What he wants you to do vocationally. What he wants you to do in terms of where, to, where, you, where he wants you to live and, and, and what kind of work he wants you to do. You know the word vocation, it comes from the Latin word vocatio, which means calling. So your vocation is your calling. Now, every person has within them two primary things that guide this. One is talent, and one is passion. In other words, all of you in this room have things that you're talented at, things that you're good at, right? But all of the things that you're talented at, all of the things that you're good at, are not all things that you're passionate about. Conversely, there are things that you're passionate about that you're not very good at. <laughs> right? Um, but the bullseye, like, the, like the, the sweet spot of life, is where passion and talent intersect. And God says, I have planted within you the passions and the talents that you have. So in a very real sense, your vocational calling has already been planted inside you by God. Does that make sense? And your goal, your job, is to discern and discover where your biggest talent and your biggest passion cross. When you discover that area or that thing where your talent, where, you're, where you have strong talent and strong passion, then you've got the bullseye to aim your life at. You with me? That, that tells you basically what God wants you to do with your life. Now, is it God's will for some people to be an investment banker and make a whole lot of money? I absolutely believe so. If their priorities are kingdom priorities. Like, the ministry that I do right now, I couldn't do without a bunch of people giving me money. How do they get their money? Well, they work for it. Don't just assume that because someone like this rich young ruler is a bad person just because they make a lot of money. The question is about how, what you do with it, right? I have wealthy people who help fund my ministry, who help me do what I get to do, right? So what your goal is to figure out where the talent and the passion intersect because we have been implanted by God with our talents and with our passions. I remember in graduate school one time, this professor, the very first thing he said, and he was a real weird guy, okay, so he, <laughs> but like the very first thing he said, he said, I just want you to know, I am extremely smart. Okay. And, and you know, you kind of assume, you know, a, a teacher of graduate students, probably a pretty smart guy. But then he said, but I can't take any credit for it. It's no different than my eye color or my height or anything else. I was just born that way. Right? It's true. Now, most people wouldn't necessarily make reference to how smart they are, but anyway, the point is, God gives you your talents, and he gives you your passions. Some of you are really smart. Some of you are really athletic. Some of you are really discerning. Some of you are very creative and artistic. Some of you are musical. Some of you are great with numbers. You know, it, it's possible to do kingdom of God work 
with those talents and passions, it's the, the question is, what are your priorities? Why are you doing it? You know, what are your goals? Okay? The next thing is fear. Why are you not giving your life, your, your future completely to God? Well, that's probably, probably up there pretty high with a lot of folks. You may already know this, but the most frequent command in the Bible is do not be afraid. Isn't that amazing? It's like somebody mentioned earlier. God's going to take care of you. Jesus was homeless. Right? And then the last thing, a culture of selfishness. And this is this this you know really plays into the theme of this of this weekend. My goodness. <laughs> if you if we are so incredibly self-absorbed as a culture. I mean, phrases like you do you, you live your truth, you need to follow your heart. What does follow your heart mean? It's not what I was talking about regarding talents and passions. Follow your heart is just do whatever the heck you want to do. Whatever makes you happy. Because, because guess what? You deserve to be happy. Really? That's what you, is that what the Bible says you deserve? <laughs> What's the Bible say you deserve? <laughs> You don't deserve to be happy. Now, is God opposed to your happiness? Well, of course not. But he's a whole lot more concerned about your holiness than your happiness. Is that right? I was at this strip mall deal last summer. And this was the sign, the gigantic sign in the front window of the Converse outlet. See what it says? This is a Converse store. And the gigantic sign in the front window says, Love yourself first. Now, I guess that means if you really love yourself, you'll buy a pair of Converse. I mean, it's, it was kind of amazing to me that that's how they're selling shoes now. But it's not a surprise, is it? Because our entire culture is just completely permeated with this kind of sentiment. Jesus says, love your neighbor. Jesus says, love your enemy. Jesus says, deny yourself. In American culture, your culture, all of our culture, we're swimming in it. It's the air we breathe. It's telling you, love you. You love you. You love you first. I can't, I can't, I can't recall anything that I think is more antithetical to Jesus and the gospel than this. And our culture is completely permeated and saturated with this exact sentiment. You love you. You do you. You follow your truth. Whatever the heck your truth means. <laughs> In other words, you do whatever makes you happy and nobody else has any right to tell you any different. Right? That's the culture we live in. So, again, why would somebody living in that culture deny themselves, bow their knee to the Lord, and say, I'll do whatever you want me to do with my life? 
That's hard to do, isn't it? In, in, in a love-yourself-first culture, it is extremely hard to get to a place of saying, I will give my life, Lord, to do whatever you want me to do. And that goes back to what Carrie was saying last night, canceling culture in your own heart. The influence of culture in every one of our hearts is far deeper and far more pervasive than we probably have any clue about. The cultural sentiment like this is, is beating on us constantly, trying to knock down the door. Right? And you, ha- you, you have to realize that. Because if you don't, if you're not fully aware of it, you're going to get sucked in just like that. And next thing you know, you're living this way. Right? Real quick, thoughts on this? We've got about five more minutes. Yes, ma'am. You know, you think of joy, J-O-Y, you know, in your little Bible class when you're a kid, you learn, you know, make your purse, your self-class, others in between. And I was sitting there thinking, you know, like, you look at the world, and it, they're really kind of sad and miserable. Really. I mean, because you think about it, they're loving themselves first, and they think they're just out there grabbing everything they want. But really, that's not true joy. You know, when you're fulfilling yourself, you know, but it's like when we, you know, have true joy is when we do put ourselves last, put Jesus first, put others first, and then God gives you that joy, and some of the things we like or even want, and then that can be true joy. Absolutely. Awesome. Yeah. And you know what I've found, and I don't take this to the bank, because God's going to do what God's going to do with everybody, you know, individually, but... What I've found and what I've seen a lot of times is that it, those things that we really desire that at the time are not God's will for us, sometimes when we let go of those, you remember he was talking about the, the raccoon, you know, won't let go of the coin. Sometimes when we relinquish that and we let go of it, God will give it right back to us. It wasn't, it wasn't about the thing. It was about the state of our heart. So, yes, ma'am. Yeah. Um, thank you for this class. This is totally amazing. Um, I'm not a college student. I'm 48 years old. So I'm sitting here with, not, not quite a veteran, but, you know, sitting And when I was a lot of you guys' age, I was 21. I'm from South Central L.A., a very hard neighborhood. I had a dream to go to college. I went to the East Coast to go to college, um, and I got my first job in, in New York City, my dream job. Uh, I became a Christian there, too, and someone offered me a job to stop working my career and go into the ministry. And my mom almost lost her life. She was so mad because they had sent me to school. And I can't even say that I prayed and asked God, God, should I leave my career and go into the ministry? I can't say I did that. But it was where passion met, um, what was the other one? Talent. My talent was speaking, and I was passionate about having become a Christian. 
and they met and I thought, I am leaving my career to go do this and my family had a fit. <laughs> and, it, and again, I, I didn't pray about it, but I felt called and we've been doing it for 25 years, my husband and I, and I know it's not for everyone, so the prayer and the fasting is super important to say, is this what I, you want me to do, God? But I just want to encourage you that, you know, the fear was real. I was making $500 a month in New York City, ridiculous, living under a bridge. <laughs> but I was preaching the word, and it was amazing. It was awesome. And I know God is calling young people today to do the same. So Absolutely. you just got to listen for that voice and see. Absolutely. Amen. Thank you for sharing that. That's, that's awesome. Um, we're about out of time. Let me share this one last thought about the story that we started with. You know, in the, in the, in the, in the story of what we call the rich young ruler, there are actually two rich young rulers in this story, aren't there? Maybe you haven't thought about it this way. But Jesus was in this story. He was himself a young man probably about 30, 31 years old, which may not seem young to college students, but <laughs> seems really young to me. And sometimes we read this story and we think, man, Jesus is sure hard on that guy. Like, that's a lot to ask. But what the guy didn't realize is that he was looking at someone who had, who had vacated the throne of the entire universe. Had given away, sold, and walked away from all the riches of the entire universe to become one of us. So what he was asking this guy to do was only a tiny, tiny little minuscule fraction of what Jesus himself had already given up, set aside, sold, and walked away from. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that for these students this, this morning, Lord, that you will have spoken to their heart and, 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 and help them to ponder and, and wrestle with this issue of what they're going to do with their lives, their vocation, their, their calling, their, their livelihood, their, their jobs, their, where they're going to live, who they're going to marry, all those sorts of things, Lord, would you, would you help them to to just fully embrace the fact that you have called all of us to submit everything to your lordship. And we know that through Jesus you have done that. You have, you have given up and set aside and sold and walked away from more than we could ever possibly imagine. And so we pray, Lord, that you will help us to be obedient in doing just a fraction of what you have already done. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.